The Dr. Lodi Podcast empowers people to think for themselves and teaches people how to achieve optimal health, free from cancer and all other chronic conditions. As a medical doctor, clinical psychologist, nutritionist, historian, philosopher, and the pioneer of what has now become the definitive route for those unsatisfied with the modern cancer treatment system, Dr. Lodi will deliver information that you've never heard before. Tune in and discover what a true second opinion really means, how to stop making cancer, why there is no such thing as diseases, and what you are truly capable of achieving in your life. So let's get started. Um, so Facebook, uh, Facebook, um, you know, uh, it's always a problem. I, I don't know if you guys have it or not, but it's always a problem. So uh, people say they're I'm on, I, I'm on a, he's on a complete carnivore diet. I'm on a diet. I haven't seen any yet. No one, no one, no one on a carnivore diet. Have you guys have you seen anybody on a carnivore diet? You've seen someone eating animals alive? No? Oh, okay. So if you haven't, then you've seen you've seen the people on a corpse diet. But anyway, for some reason, humans like to, or there are people out there that are always trying to tell me what's wrong with why I shouldn't eat vegetables and why I should eat uh, uh, carcasses, carcasses of deceased animals, why it would be better for me in the long run and in the short run and everything. Because after all, our ancestors, what, climbed out of the trees, went into the caves. Right? This is what they want us to believe. They climbed out of the trees. They went into the caves. Then what? Uh, came out of the caves, um, got a big club, and was beating animals. But they beat the animals with the club. And then they dragged it back. And then they were, can you imagine? Do you think somebody would actually ever do such a thing? No. You'd have to be extremely truly starving to do something like that. But I'll tell you something, it'd be a lot easier to just grab some plants and eat them than to kill an animal and take it back to your cave and mm, mm, would you eat it? Or that's when we started to use fire, right? But before the fire, we were just eating the corpses. Anyway, this is the story they want us to believe. But you know what else they want us to believe? They also want us to believe that after we, this was the, you know, the paleo, uh, the Paleolithic period, right? Stone men and women. There were only two of us then. I, I, I don't know. There was no, maybe there were. Huh. Wait a minute. You think there were any furries back in those days? You think that some people had litter boxes in their caves for the, for the furries? You know, you just got to take care of the furries. You can't ignore the furries. Okay. Because they're very important. It's really a legitimate thing to think about. Anyway, um, so so we came out of the caves uh, after a while. And we said, you know what? We, let's build a building. So they built the pyramids. I mean, it was you know, a couple thousand years later. But we were still paleo, neo-paleolithic, post-paleolithic. Um, still got blood on our teeth. We built the pyramids, we invented Sanskrit, and we invented the Chinese language, two incredibly complex languages with incredible uh, grammatic structures that serve as the root for almost all languages on earth. Yeah, we did that. 
right after we came out of the caves, after we were clubbing the animals and eating them, right? Anyway, so uh, I can't help it. I can't help it. Uh, but so here's the thing. So the idea is that cabbage is uh, uh, cabbage is part of a family called uh, 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 cruciferous vegetables, and that they are goitrogens. They they cause goiters. And the reason that story came out, the reason it comes out, is because um, it's in very large um, quantities over a long period of time. Um, yes, indeed. Uh, uh, the um, the isothiocyanates, which are derived from the primary biogenic compound in uh, broccoli, and, and you know, bro- we use broccoli kind of as the standard for cruciferous vegetables. But uh, the uh, they're called isothiocyanates, and they call um, glucoraphanins are in there. And basically what these are is they're basically um, pesticides. So in fact, I think a hundred years ago, no, maybe, maybe less, uh, 80 years ago or something. Um, they, they, they developed antibiotics out of uh, broccoli. Yeah. Okay. Cause they, sort of, cause the broccoli, the, the, the cruciferous family uses these plants as pesticides. So when the animal bites into it, uh, the, the insect bites into it. Uh, the two compartments. One has the glu- uh, the, the uh, glucoraphanin, and the other one has the myrosinase, which is an enzyme. They come together and they form isothiocyanates, isothiocyanates, which kill the animal, but turn out to be incredible for us. Incredible. They upregulate phase two and all that sort of thing of our liver and all that sort of thing. Um, but there are also some. Uh, uh, concerned that it would compete with iodine and therefore decrease thyroid output and therefore result in uh, a goiter. Well, uh, it turns out uh, there's a, there was a, you can probably, I think he retired now, but he's, his research is out there. His name is uh, Professor Jed Fahey. He was at the, uh, is it, M- uh, no, it was John Hop- Johns Hopkins, um, Brassica Research Lab. You know, imagine a whole lab dedicated to something that's really bad for you, right? Anyway. Um, anyway, he, uh, anyway, their, their studies, they, 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 they did studies, PhDs, good work, published work. Uh, you would have to eat uh, a lot. You'd have to eat uh, at least a kilo or more a day for at least 90 days, uh, six months or something to to have any effect on the on iodine um competing with the iodine so to get onto your thyroid uh when you're making thyroid hormone now but they did studies they did studies with you know uh where they with with, you know rats of course but uh but but where they would um make them iodine deficient and most of us are iodine deficient by the way we've spoken about that many times but because uh, the amounts that they think we need and the amounts that we need are ridiculous. They, as you know, they're said we're told that we need what 600 micrograms. What do we need a day? Six, something ridiculous like that. 600 micrograms. Well, the Japanese standard Japanese diet is about 13.8 milligrams, not micrograms, milligrams, which is 13,000. 800 micrograms. And they're saying we need 600 micrograms. They eat that a day. 
And they live 10 years longer than us. They live 10 years longer than us. For as long as we can measure, as long as we've been measuring, they live 10 years longer than us. So whatever they're doing, it must be okay. Right? Well, that's one of them. So anyway, they, and they don't, there's not a lot of goiters in Japan. You see goiters in where? Iowa. Where's the goiter belt in the U.S.? Because no iodine. Anyway, um, so what would one do if they, let's say somebody liked eating a kilo a day of broccoli? Then make sure you're taking some iodine. Make sure you got enough iodine in there. But most people are not going to eat that much. So they so they have done studies. They've done long-term studies. Well, the longest they did was 12 weeks, which is fairly long, to see if there was any effect on thyroid function. And they had none. So they gave people the actual uh, extract of, uh, of broccoli sprouts, which had high levels of the isothiocyanates in them. And they gave them for 12 weeks, and uh, nothing happened. It had no effect on their uh, thyroid gland at all. So, but, you know, um, the other thing is that, um, that I want to, you know, since we're, we're talking about it, um, remember, I know I've mentioned this before, and it's important to mention, mention again every week, uh, and that is that the liver has two basic, in the liver, there's two basic uh, phases of detoxification. One is you take the carcinogen, I mean, you take the, uh, the toxin, and you try to make it water soluble so that you can excrete it in your urine or your feces, right? Uh, and uh, and then this and then, but a lot of times it produces an intermediate uh, molecule that is actually can be more toxic. So, for example, that's that's what happens with dioxin. Dioxin is actually more toxic. The, the intermediate dioxin itself is not as to, it's not toxic. It's once it goes through phase one, it becomes deadly, and that's why small amounts of di- dioxin in a, in a community can 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 wipe out the whole community. So, um, but it's the toxic intermediate. Anyway, so phase two detoxification is where they're, it's conjugating, adding, you know, uh, and using glutathione and things like that. That's why uh, uh, the cruciferous vegetables upregulate that, all right? So, um, so it actually accelerates the detoxification and excretion of toxins. And they've done this by exposing people uh, uh where they, they were people that in, in, in a group in China uh, where they were exposed to benzene and um, some other one, toluene, something else, some, some other kind of really nasty thing. Uh, and they found really much higher glutathione levels in their urine and uh, um, uh, reduced glutathione, meaning it got, uh, I mean, oxidized, meaning it did its job. It had to go to work and, re- and reduce something. And when it reduces, it gets oxidized. In other words, in the inactive, in other words, the, what they found in the urine shows you that it was already used. Um, and they found high levels. Uh, and they also found that much, much lower levels of these toxins in their blood, right? And um, there was a, another one. There was a, a, a clinical trial with 50 people in China. You're right, where they found a 20 to 50% Increase in urinary excretion of uh, glutathione-derived conjugates and, and air pollutants of acrolein. That was at acrolein and benzene. Okay, and that's because they were follow they were eat, they were eating the sulforaphane and or glu- glucoraphanin-rich broccoli drive. Okay. okay, so that was a uh, fifty volunteers. 
There was another one, a 12-week placebo-controlled, uh, 291 participants using broccoli sprout beverage containing a combination of the uh, both the sulforaphane and the glucoraphanin, um, and same thing, same thing. Then they did this with men for six months to 12 months who had who were at high risk for prostate cancer. And when they biopsied their prostates later, what did they find? That everything was kind of back to normal. They were no longer at high risk. Yeah, six to 12 months, right? Okay, so if someone's got prostate problems, don't go any further than the garden. Okay, you don't need to, actually. Anyway, um, uh, and then there was another, there was Jed Fahey himself, actually. He and a group uh, were looking at working with autistic uh, people, not children, but autistic, I think, adults. Um, and what they found was very interesting, was um, well, they, they put them on lots of the, uh, the uh, extract of broccoli sprout, and uh, they had increased levels of reduced, which is kind of want, glutathione in the brain. Okay. They had enhanced uh, in, uh, integration of fatty acid beta oxidation in the, in the TCA cycle. It just means that they had a more efficient metabolism. Protection against uh, the redness that comes from a sunburn from ultraviolet. Okay, they had less of that. I mean, these are significantly significant decreases. Okay, um, um, and decreases in their hemoglobin A1C and decreases in their fasting glucose. And these were a little bit. These were like obese, uh, uh, obese autistic people. Okay, so their fasting insulin went down, their fasting glucose went down. That's really good for people who have chronically fermenting cells. Like we, this group is all about, which is uh, uh, the Rockefeller word. Just to remind those of you, it's your first day. Uh, the Rockefeller word is cancer. Uh, the real word is chronically fermenting cells. Okay, um, we don't like to use that word, the Rockefeller word, because it scares people. And on purpose, standard of scare. That's what they have. Standard of scare. You all know that. You all know anyone who's been to the hospital, either as a person themselves, as what they call patients or as accompanying someone there, you know that they are very adept at scaring people. They scare them in, they scare people into agreeing to do things that they would never do, like have body parts removed, like get get ionizing radiation that the radiologist is in the other room behind several levels of lead and so is the technician. What's wrong with you? All right. Um, so, you know, you, you got to be pretty scared for people to do that. Okay. Anyway, it's crazy. Uh, uh, by the way, with, the, with these autistic, they even had improvements in social interaction, behavior, and verbal communication. So, I mean... From broccoli sprouts, but these are bad for you. No, they're not bad. So your cabbage. By the way, if you're cooking your cabbage, which uh, I agree, cooked cabbage is very good. I, when I grew up, I was eat. I'd eat cook, cooked cabbage with butter all over it. I loved it. Yeah, but uh, you can use other things. You can use olive oil. You can use other oils, and uh, put some sea salt. And there, there's ways of making it still delicious uh, if you want to do that. And you don't have to cook it. You can dehydrate them. Right. Um, same with the broccoli. You can put them in a dehydrator and they come out delicious. They taste cooked. 
but you don't get them up past the point where you kill the enzymes, right? And yet they, and then you can put broccoli, you can put some cheese on it, cheese made from um, cashew, right? So cashew, um, uh, nutritional yeast, cashew, you know, blended cashew, a little bit of garlic, olive oil, maybe some red roasted, uh, red uh, bell pepper, not roasted. Red bell pepper, half of it, half of one, just to give it that orangey kind of color. Um, and a little bit of salt, and just blend it and poorly slow the olive oil. In, the pour, slowly pour the olive oil in it, and you'll watch it blend, and it gets kind of puffy and creamy. Now you can just dip your broccoli or dip your cauliflower into it, um, you know, uncooked. Or you can put both. You can cover the broccoli and the cauliflower and put them in the tray in the dehydrator and dehydrate them, and they're. I'm, I can't tell you how good it is. And you can do the same thing. You can make uh, that same kind of cheesy thing you can put on big on kale leaves and make kale chips. And your kids will like them more than they like potato chips. So there's ways of making healthy food delicious. And that's what we've got to do, right? Okay. okay. Instead of trying to figure out how can I not eat this? How can I justify whatever it is you're doing that you want to just, that you want to keep doing you're going to look for a reason why doing the other thing is not going to be good for you, right? So, for example, um, I'm sure, you know, like some very creative person could justify coming up with uh, shooting heroin or snorting or smoking crack or, I don't know, be pretty hard to come up with justifications for those. But in terms of eating corpses, I'm sure we can. But remember, 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 just when we were back eating corpses, we uh, built the pyramids and invented Sanskrit and, and Chinese. You remember that? So, but if you think uh, in terms of biblical times, you realize that before the flood, when people were eating Genesis one twenty nine verse one twenty nine food called the Adam and Eve diet, uh, which was uncooked plants, they averaged nine hundred and twelve years. Huh? And it wasn't until after the flood when they started to eat dead animals. You know, you know what God said, right? I'm going to paraphrase this, but God said, ah, we're going to act like hyenas. Might as well eat like hyenas. So people started eating dead animals after Noah. And within five generations, the length of days was 120. Today, if we make it to 90, we've got diapers on and tubes coming out of our noses. All right. So anyway. Uh. Thoughts on Dr. Diodamo's eat right for your blood type. Well, you know, I had hoped that that was. Uh, most people understood that now, but, you know, I can see that I can see the confusion. Uh, let, me, let me turn off this light. Excuse me. Yeah, it's still OK. Right, 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 right. OK, good. Uh, anyway, so. Eat right for your blood type, right? So how does that work now? Um, according to Dr. Diamato, um, if you have type O blood, you should eat animals, mostly. If you have type A, then you don't need to eat animals. You can eat plants. And then if you have type B blood, you can eat both. And if you have AB, you should eat you can have dairy, tofu, lamb, fish, grains, fruit, and vegetables. 
You know, the thing is, the guy was serious. And on the, you know what? The, the best thing, I mean, the, the, the benefit that came out of his whole thing was he made a ton of money. And you've even got people researching it. They're researching it, right? Uh, which is pretty bizarre. Very bizarre. You know why it's bizarre? You know horses? You guys remember horses? I know before, before we had all these machines, people used to ride horses a lot. Anyway, horses have seven or I think it's eight bloody groups. So some horses should eat um, oats, some horses should eat alfalfa, and some horses should eat uh, what? Just regular grass? Crabgrass? How's that work? We got to figure that out. We got to figure that out and let the let the horses know because they no one told them. They've been eating naturally all these millennia, centuries, whatever it is. Um, anyway, that's the horses, and uh, but they've got they've got seven groups, and dogs have thirteen blood groups. So how would you divide them up? Some should eat. Well, dogs are scavengers. They're not. Um, they're not uh, carnivores. They don't necessarily need to eat animals alive. They're not obligate carnivores the way cats are. So you could give. So some dogs should have. Broccoli and 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 salad. Other dogs should have, uh, depending on their group, uh, should have uh, uh, lamb and seafood. Oh, no, I'm just making this up, like they did. All right, like they did. Okay. Now, um, by the way, chimpanzees are primary ninety nine percent same DNA as us. A predominantly type A. And of all the great apes, the chimps, the chimp, the orangutan, the gorilla, bonobo. Bonobo is a chimp. Um, only the chimp eats any flesh. And he's basically type A. That's very weird, right? Okay, so anyway. Uh, But the flesh, and remember, the chimpanzee only eats about five percent of the diet is, is flesh, and that's only, and it has, uh, it's been well established that the chimp is doing that to establish uh, male hierarchical boundaries, right? The males to go out and they do it, and, and they kill the animal, and they 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 establish who's the tough guy, who's not the tough guy, uh, and then they whoever brings home the animals, of course, gets more uh, sex. So, yeah, so it's a social thing um, and well-established. I don't know why this keeps shaking. Too weird. Anyway, so um, so that's weird. So, and, and the gorillas, uh, they, they, they only have, uh, they're, they're exclusively type B. Which means... They should be having some dairy and some seafood and some, uh, I mean, we were 98, pretty, pretty close, same. It's the orangutan that have like us. They have the A, the B, the A, B, and the O, right? And they're, a, they're complete vegetarians. Anyway, just to let you know, there was a great story. Where was another great story? Great um, study. Where was it? Uh, this good study. 
anyway, it was um, published in the in Journal of American Medical Association, JAMA. Uh, and here it is, yeah. Uh, by the uh, physician Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Okay, and it was a trial of overweight participants, no diabetes, blah, blah, blah. So they put some of them on uh, the... Uh, Um, um, uh, a meat diet. I mean, some. I mean, they put everybody on a vegetable diet, on a, on a vegan diet, and then they had a control diet of people eating anything, and then they had one other group. Anyway, what they found, what they found was that there was no difference at all, and that every group, A B A B O, all benefited by being on the vegan. In fact, they're metabolic rate went up 18.7%. Now, these were people who were a little bit of obese. Every one of them benefited. Even the O's benefited, okay? And there was no, nothing damaging then. Now, this is published in JAMA. This is a real real study, okay? So that, I I mean, so I don't think much of that. I think um, people need to um, understand that there's going to be a lot, you know what I mean? Like they're putting, they're telling us, I'm going to talk, I promise I'm going to talk about oxalate sometime because that bothers me. In fact, I wrote an article on oxalates once. It was in the um, Townsend letter in 2015, if you read it, um, called uh, Green Smoothie Bliss. And I wrote it in because I was so pissed off at uh, this guy who had written an article in the same, the Townsend letter. One of you have heard of it. Townsend letter uh, back in January of that same year. Uh, talking about how dangerous uh, spin, uh, s- s- smoothies were, right? How dangerous they were, um, and uh, because of the oxalates, anyway, causing s- stones and stuff like that. So I wrote an article. So I, I did that one. So if you want to read that, it's in December of uh, 2015, Townsend letter. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna expand on that. Anyway, I just want you to know that we we're designed for plants. We're not equipped to kill um, all that. Oh, by the way, by the way, one other thing about the blood the blood type diet is that uh, it's based on the assumption that this is Demato's. Theory. It's based on the assumption that type O was the original blood group and that somehow A and B came out of them. And O was at the time when we were just coming out of the caves, remember? Back in the day, just before the pyramids, we were coming out of the caves, just eating animals, and we had type O. And then when we settled down and got farms and things like that, well, then we then we developed type A. I, I, it just... You know, you know, type A blood. And then a little bit later, ah, we got A, B. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it turns out when they do something called phylogenetic networking, where they look at the uh, different species and all these different things, and they're looking at the nucleotides, right, which are part of the DNA, you know, on the nucleosides, the nucleus, and they're looking at the sequencing, and they're trying to figure out how things came to be, because, you know, 
of, of thinking of the, of the word and term and understanding of evolution, they find out that actually A was the fundamental group, not O. Anyway. Um, anyway. Yeah, what can I say? So don't know, please. So my answer to you is uh, don't, I don't think, I don't think, uh, this is Vanessa, yeah. I don't think anything about it. In fact, I, I mean, I, 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 I don't think it's, it's worth considering anymore. Okay, so what is the best way to detoxify the liver? Okay, well, here is one of the beauties. One of the blessings of being a biological entity produced, created by divine intelligence. And that is, we have a self-healing body, earth suit. This earth suit of ours that allows us to get around on this planet, right? Can't get around on the planet without this earth suit. Got to have it. Um, and uh, if not, you got to wear some other special apparatus. But um, it turns out that you cut it, you cut it and it whoop, heals. So it's a self-healing thing. So here's the amazing thing. If you look at it in terms of function, so when the body is busy eating, digesting, assimilating, and all that, it's uh, most of the energy is towards that. So if I just ate a meal, my body's kind of in that, in that mode, breaking the food down, absorbing it, uh, putting it, you know, putting it where it needs to go, blah, blah, blah. Um, and things like that. Very little uh, energy is towards cleaning up uh, metabolic waste and stuff like that. It's still happening at a, at a level, but not fundamentally. Uh, and it's when I stop eating and it's finally all been digested, all been assimilated, all been there, all done with that. Now the body goes in full on. It's spring cleaning and it cleans everything. Intracellularly, uh, autophagy, uh, gets rid of old cells that are can't make it anymore apoptosis uh just and if you're drinking lots of water and it's coming it comes out it comes out and the body uh will heal so um that's what happens so the best way to detoxify the liver would be of course i would say start out with because remember you remember you cannot detoxify one particular organ the we are not organ systems we are one system in fact our, our system is not even what you see it's our mind body and spirit we are one system okay and uh, they're all connected they're in fact the distinctions between them again are are conceptual the, the, the distinctions between those three aspects um, now remember those are just words mind body and spirit because where does the mind end and the body begin? Where does the spirit end? We don't, you know, what are they? What is the body? What was the body's made up of atoms? What are atoms? Well, atoms are made up of, well, everybody knows that, protons, neutrons, and electrons. Huh. So what happens if you open up one of them? You get uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Oh, so that means at the center of that thing, which we're calling matter, is really energy, right? Oh, okay. Uh, so, I mean, what's the body again? So, anyway, just what you're saying, if you think of start, if you think about things, you realize that. 
the way we look at it is not necessarily the truth. So anyway, the point is this. you got a mind-body-spirit continuum uh, combination uh, that needs to be taken care of. And uh, uh, so when you are not eating, your body is cleaning and cleansing. So, and we're not organ systems. We have multiple organ systems. So you, cause you can't separate the lungs from the heart, right? Cause the right side of the heart pumps the blood into the lungs and then it goes pumps back into the left side of the heart and now all oxygenated, right? And then that goes out. But then if there's no kidneys to clean it out, it's not going to work. And if there's no liver and you know, you can't separate these systems. We do that just like we call it, just like Freud called it superego, ego, and id, as if those were three separate things. Uh, it's uh, He called, he referred to it as the, the topography of the mind. Um, and uh, it's just a way of talking about different aspects as he saw them. He was a little, you know, he you got to give him, you got to give him a break. He was, you know, back in those days, uh, it was totally, legal. you could walk into a pharmacy and just, I mean, uh, uh, whatever they called them. Um, they weren't pharmacies, what they called them. Anyway, you could just walk in and order some cocaine or heroin or whatever. Anyway, back in those days, he was a complete cocaine addict. And we all know what cocaine does. It makes you think about, uh, uh, well, it's kind of been thought of, obviously, for a long time by as an aphrodisiac, as a way of having sex. And that's all Freud talked about, his whole theory, right? You know Freud, right? He thinks uh, little boys want to kill their father and have sex with their mother. I didn't make I didn't make that up. And little girls, the electro complex, they want to have get rid of their mom and have sex with their dad. This is this is Freud, okay? And every dream you have, the phone ringing is some sexual organ or something. Anyway, the guy is. But I, I, I digress again. Anyway, the point is this: he used those terms. They're very good terms. They're important terms, and they 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 use them later on. Uh, transactional analysis. Um, you know when they uh, they had the. Um, uh, the child, the adult, and the parent, and you know, just all really the same thing. Just it's Freud revisited. So it's just the points of talking. About. So the mind body. Anyway, so you can't separate. So what I'm saying is that this is that if you cleanse, in other words, if you stop eating and drink a lot of fluid, your entire body will clean, including your liver. Right? Your liver will now have the chance. It's not dealing with toxins. It'll be able to get rid of its own internal toxins. And you'll be drinking a lot, so you'll be peeing a lot. And you should also get some, uh, get a colonic, uh, like. Uh, you know, once or twice that week. And your liver will clean out. That's the best thing. That is the best liver cleanse. Water. But you, what I would say, recommend is that you do this. Do a, do a maybe, uh, if you really want to do a cleanse, do a good one week juices, fruit, uh, not fruit, uh, vegetable juices. Add a little bit of fruit for flavor. Make sure it's delicious. Followed by one week of water, followed by one week of juice, and then you go back to eating. I, I mean, not back. I don't. Hopefully, not back to eating bad. You know, onto eating really healthy food. Okay, if you do that, what happens? Dehydration, ED. Can the lungs heal after thirty years of smoking? The body heals. Yes. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, 30, I mean, okay, 30 years of smoking uh, cigarettes, I'm assuming you meant. Um, yeah, it's probably done, a, probably done a lot of damage to the lungs, uh, but, the, but the, it heals. You got to do a lot of cleansing, a lot of, uh, you know, and uh, you got to do a lot of cleansing of, of, of your of your lung too. You've got to learn how to breathe right. You've got to do a lot of pranayama, with, which learning how to do deep breathing and how to, um, you know, there are ways of doing it, right? You know, you could breathe with your abdomen. You got to really and, and do this, uh, you know, a couple times a day. Learn how to focus. You got to get into meditation. Um, there is even uh, who's the guy? I want to think of his name. Can't remember his name, doctor. He wrote the book about vitamin C. Um, really good. He's an MD and JD combination of a lawyer and a doctor. What a weird combination. Um, like the two, the two worst, the two worst. Well, no, politician. Okay, so two of the thir- three worst things in the world. Um. Anyway, uh, he talks about a. Uh, uh, Hydrogen, uh, real, you know, low-dose pharmaceutical, uh, 0.03%, which is 0.003, uh, hydrogen peroxide, pharmaceutical-grade um, um, uh, nebulizers, right? Uh, you can also nebulize uh, colloidal silver, real colloidal s- silver, real colloidal silver, uh, which uh, the only one I u- would use is a company called Natural Immunogenics, uh, it's called Argentin 23. You can get their sovereign silver as well, but uh, because it's uh, it's it, it, it's the real deal. It's the real deal. It does not coalesce. It does not cause uh, agoria or any of those other things that you can get from. Anyway, but you, you can do that. So the things you can help your lungs with. There are also lots of essential oils that are really good. Yeah. So yes, you can. You you, you can heal. The the body will heal. It's fantastic. It's it's amazing. All right. So. Uh, I have I uh, swelling in my neck. It's soft to touch. It doesn't affect my swallowing. Any ideas? Well, I don't know where your neck. You mean here? Here? Doesn't a sweater affect your swallowing? So you mean around here? It's soft, swelling. I so I don't. You know, really hard to say. I mean, uh, if it's like up in here or down along here. And it feels like little, uh, like little nodules. It's probably lymph nodes, and lymph nodes can be swell can swell up when they're doing their job, right? When they're um, evaluating sub, sub, substances that have drained from from tissues, right? So you have a sore throat, you have you know some other a dental thing like that. Uh, it'll drain. It'll it, you remember ten percent of of all the uh, fluids from tissues go through the lymphatics. 90% go through the veins back to the heart. So the lymphatics are there to bring it to the lymph node. So the lymph node can evaluate whether it's a problem or not. And if it's a problem, a, uh, an immune response will be, will be uh, instigated. And that's what uh, may... So if you're talking about a lymph node, that's it. If you're talking about just swelling, I don't know of other kind of swelling. I'm not sure what other kind of swelling you mean. Um, so you, uh, if you could be more descriptive, Ask me again, and I would love to answer that. How do you, uh, how to lower ferritin levels until ferritin iron ratio is correct? Ah, all right. So 
Yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of people have heard me talk about um, the ferritin to iron ratio. Um, you want it to be around one or two at most. If it gets up to five, you got to think of the chronically fermenting cells somewhere going on. All right, so that's important to keep in mind. Now, uh, when you have that condition, the Rockefeller condition, uh, chronically fermenting cells, when you have that condition, what that's what happens is <clears throat> iron goes down. Why does it go down? Because chronically fermenting cells have more transferrin receptors. So they pick up iron because they need iron for, for DNA to, 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 to duplicate. And they need more than the average cell because they're duplicating a much quicker rate. So, uh, so that's why they have more of that. They also have more insulin receptors. They have a lot of other things. So anyway, um, so they're grabbing as much iron as they can. So the iron is always going down. But the ferritin goes up. And that's also because the body is storing. Try, it's, it's kind of a protective measure to protect the chronically fermenting cells from getting it, right? So you wind up with this big um, difference. Um, and the higher it goes, I mean, and they, they go really high. They go 20 to 131 like that. You want to get it down. How do you get it down? You got to get, you got to work with the underlying condition. So the first thing you're going to do is clean out your body. You're going to clean out your colon. You're going to go to a real lymphatic therapist. Okay. You got to find one. Uh, certified lymphatic therapist work with them um not because lymphatic massage is great but that's not enough uh move around exercise all that is essential to keeping lymphatics healthy everything healthy and uh blah 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 blah. everything grip strength correlates with prognosis stronger your grip strength the longer you'll make it in this particular earth suit. Um, yeah. So, um, so you do, you do the cleansing, you drink lots of uh, juices, you do all the stuff that we always talk about, go to bed early, all that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, stop lying. And then, uh, you, uh, work with a, a, somebody to help you with the chronically fermenting cells like uh, 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 an integrative oncologist uh, or into even a functional medicine doc who knows uh, how to use, you know, the vitamin C, ozone, EBO, all, all of the hyperbaric, um, you know, all the different things. You do all that so you can get... And then as the underlying condition um, is resol- resolved, so will the ferritin go down too. Ferritins, just don't look at, don't focus on that. Focus on the fact that it is a kind of a biomarker. It's telling you uh, you still have work to do. What cooked foods to eat when you occasionally have have them? Well, um, you know, ideally, if you're a complete fanatic, you wouldn't have any. And there are a few healthy, long-lived, vibrant people, but you don't need to. Uh, 80, 80, 20, 90, 10 can be fine. Or whatever. If some, if some of you who are mostly all the times eating uncooked, so, so the less, the least cooked, the better, right? The healthier. So, for example, um, uh, what do you call it? the uh, uh, steaming? Steaming would be the least uh, damaging, right? Then boiling. 
and that's it. You don't want to fry. You don't want to bake. You don't want to broil. You don't want to uh, grill any of those things because you produce um, these chemicals called uh, Maillard chemicals that are carcinogenic. You know, one of them well-known Maillard chemical is acrylamide. You all know that, right? Um, so anyway, so you'd eat that. But you know what? The other thing, too, is let's say you grew up eating whatever it is that you just absolutely love. You have to never have it again. Eat it once a year or something. See, I, I, you know that, and that's really a personal decision because I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever. I mean, I grew up eating uh, animal corpses because um, I was raised by, uh, fa- you know, typical family that ate animals, and um, so, but I, I, so I even, I mean, not even once a decade would I eat. Just because, uh, well, many reasons why I just, uh, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't enter the realm of possibilities. But what will I do What if I'm going to really have a blow it day? Well, um, I don't know. Go to an Italian restaurant and eat everything but the, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, animals? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Hard to say, but is here, and it really remember it's not what you're doing occasionally that's going to affect your overall well being at all. It's what you're doing on a regular basis. And remember, if you're feeling deprived because you don't get to eat something or that really meant something dear to you, you ate it with your grandmother back in the whatever, and you and your grandmother used to eat this, whatever it is, and it was it's 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 really uh dear 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 to you. Eat it, enjoy it, love it. And if it's something that's probably not healthy for you, don't do it a lot. Do it once a year, twice a year, or something like that. You know, uh, but do it and you know whatever. But remember, because if you're feeling deprived, you're suppressing your immune system. If you're suppressing your immune system, you will not uh, heal. You can't heal. You can't heal from any condition. All right. That's very important to understand. So, if you that's why if you got to eat 80-20, you do it. I mean, I've had people uh, here in Thailand. Uh, <clears throat> uh, where I, what, I had them on a, uh, a raw vegan diet, and they were just wasting away dying. I, I'd say, okay. I, and there was no way I could. I, so, finally, the, the one guy, I, he... I mean, he, I forget where he was from. Uh, he was from a different province than Bangkok, but where I was at the time. But uh, let him have. Uh, I said, go ahead, eat the fish, go. And he he turned around. He was doing fine. He was eating the fish and back happy and smiling. So hey, you know, he did better. So in that case, so uh, I wouldn't do it myself. Uh, Oh, okay. So IGF-1, a doctor recommended shutting it down completely. No. Okay. IGF-1 for everyone um, is a, um, it stands for insulin-like growth factor. The, the Our pituitary glands make uh, growth hormone. Growth hormone circulates when it gets to the liver. The liver converts it into five different 
molecules, IGF-1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. The most active is IGF-1. And it's the IGF-1 that pretty much tells you is, is the work of your uh, of growth hormone, your level. So if someone wants to test you for growth hormone, they don't test you for your growth hormone, which is secreted mostly in the middle of the night. So because you couldn't, you'd have to, you know, but uh, which and within 30 minutes, it's already been converted into IGF. So we just when we're when we're looking at growth hormone, we check we check for IGF one. Well, what does IGF one do? IGF one will 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 um, bind to um, IGF one receptor and an insulin receptor. And what will it do? It will stimulate the cell to start dividing to grow. That's why it's called growth hormone, right? So growth hormone they call it growth hormone only because. Yeah, and that that's that that's uh, that's its predominant effect with children, with people that are still growing. But once you've grown, you're not growing anymore. So, so it's the healing hormone. It's how your cells heal. It's yeah, it's absolutely essential. You can't do without it. You can't do without any of the body. What we need to do is instead of thinking we need to suppress, get rid of this, we need to don't ever think in those terms. God did not make. Any mistakes? None. Maybe one. He, he, she, it, uh, uh, made humans. That might have been a mistake. Anyway, barring that, God didn't really make any mistakes. So um, you need estrogens are not bad and progesterone's good. No. And there's not good estrogens and bad estrogens. And there's not, and testosterone is not bad. And, uh, Whatever else we think. IGF-1 is not bad. They're all necessary. Where we run into problems, where we get sick, is when these this, this gets out of balance. And you have too much of this and not enough of that. It's, and then your body has to compensate, adapt. And it's those co- compensatory measures, those adaptations, are what we call diseases. But they're not diseases. They are adaptations. So bringing your 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 growth hormone into balance would be a much better thing to do. And how do we do that? Well, there are many um, substances you can get. Um, there are peptides that are um, stimulate the production of growth hormone. Um, because remember, growth hormone is made by the pituitary gland uh, in response to a hormone from the hypothalamus. Hypothalamus. And uh, so there, are, there are, you can actually get that. Uh, um, and by the way, uh, thymus and alpha-1, somebody was asking about that also. Thymus and alpha-1, yeah, uh, and you can get that from peptide sciences. And you can get also uh, the many different, there's many different kinds of peptides and other things that you can do to stimulate your production of growth hormone, uh, to bring you, to keep you at a, healthy level. You don't want to go too low. Just like you don't want to go too low on your testosterone if you're a man or a woman. You don't want to go too low on your estrogens because then you wind up, you know. So remember, uh, it's when we start going low and why are we going low? That's a whole talk on aging and I'll do that another time. Um, How can I get a consultation? You seem to be, I am, I'm so, it's really crazy right now and I'm so sorry. I'll be back to normal in about, um, a few weeks, because I, I, I just, I have got these, I've got three or four lectures I've got to write up. 
uh, and prepare for. And, um, and plus I've got all the people that already booked. So I just don't, right now I don't have time. I, I just can't, there's just, I just don't have time. I go to, I go, uh, I, you know, I just, I don't, I don't have enough time for living yet still. I mean, so anyway, but I'll get to you. And it's a really, 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 really important. Send them an email to me in detail and let me see if I can help you. Okay. Okay. So let's go down. We were going to go down to, um, what are your thoughts on MRNA cancer vaccine? Uh, I, I don't, I no longer trust. I didn't anyway. I never did, but now I'm even more, more that way. Uh, anything that they're going to, that they are going to offer us in, in forms of MRNA modifying our genome. No way, no way. Oh, you're going to target it just to the chronically fermenting cells and modify their genome. Is that what you're going to do? Oh, okay. So that's with the assumption that chronically fermenting cells are genetic in origin, which they're not, they're a metabolic condition. And in fact, uh, it, we may find out um, very soon that maybe most of the chronically fermenting conditions are in one way or another related to parasites. And I'm not talking about the typical helminths, which are worms and um, protozoa, but there are some even, even some other ones that we haven't quite identified yet. They're microscopic. The, and people were onto this back in the 30s at, you know, well-known, well-known institutions. I mean, the, the, you know, real hardcore scientists. Um, and they've got photograph. you know, they've got uh, micros. Um, What's the field called of microscopy where they do uh, it's like video micros- microscopy. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, yeah. And then also the imbalance at the, that they, the, the relationship that these parasites have with our healthy microbiome and by changing how it changes that. And cause we know that there's a particular type of, of, uh, 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 there's a particular ratio of species with irritable bowel syndrome, uh, with uh, women who uh, have spontaneous abortions, uh, with, uh, I mean, all kinds of stuff, schizophrenia. Um, yeah. And so they do, they do what are called fecal transplants that can actually change everything. So the microbiome is, ex- it's, it's, it, 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 it might be everything. It might be the whole, the whole thing, because but remember, it's also a reflection of our entire being. But anyway, so they're, they're, they're the parasites uh, are a big part of that. Um, so let me see here. Oh, Terry. Okay, so Terry, I, I yeah. So just so I can give, um, I'm not going to give tell anybody's name here. Um, but anyway, so uterine cancer, hysterectomy. Um, the doctor said she had a 5% chance of recurrence. Now, you know, you know what's great about statistics is that no matter what happens, you were right. If there was a 0.1% chance of a recurrence and you had a recurrence, ah, well, you're in the 0.1%. So statistics are meaningless for individuals. Because if something happens to you, it's 100%. Okay, so anyway, but that's what they told you. So they get, okay, so they get 5%. Um, so then, of course, 
came back into the pelvis, chest, neck, lymph nodes, April of 21. So I did another surgery to remove the pelvic lymph nodes and cancer tissue and concluded it to be cervical and BRCA2 gene. BRCA2 gene. Though none of my, none of my cancer was genetic. Bought a Rife machine, uh, IVC infusions, four rounds of low-dose chemo and three-day fasting protocol with it. Good. Uh, complete remission in November of 2021. CA-125 went up. Oh, it was down. Normal. Pet was normal. Now, there is... Now, you eat mostly organic and a little, little meat. You mean a little bit of corpse? Remember, what is meat, everyone? In the English language, meat means essence, right? What is the meat of the subject? I eat the meat of the coconut. So I do not consider the decayed muscles of a deceased animal to be its essence. So I won't call it meat. I'll call it a corpse. So you eat a little bit of corpse um, and mostly organic. Okay, well, uh, okay, and I hope you're eating within a six-hour window, and I hope you stop eating four hours before sleep or five hours before sleep, and I hope you're moving around. I hope you're doing meditation and all. There's all sorts of stuff you do. So anyway, so what? They, now it's come back. It seems like it's come back again, and they're producing, they're recommending um Hypec, and you want to know what I think about that. Well, uh, it's hyperthermia, hyperthermic intraperitoneal chemotherapy is what it is. So in other words, they want to put hot chemo directly into your abdomen. And they, their claim is that this way you don't get all of the systemic side effects from the chemo because it's not going in your vein and it's not going to the entire body. Okay, so that may be true to some degree. However, you're putting extremely toxic poisons into the abdomen and hoping what? It's, they're gonna only, it's only going to go after the chronically fermenting cells and it's not going to go anywhere else. That's not possible. That's a uh, that's a uh, Pinocchio type wish, okay? It's a it's a Hansel and Gretel type wish. It's not a it's not a reality. When the fact is, what you could do, what you could do is you could go see Dr. Frank Schallenberger in uh, Carson City, Nevada, or Dr. Robert Rowan in um, Santa Rosa, and you could tell them that you want to do some um, intraperitoneal uh, ozone. Okay, and uh, get some get some ozone put in there. Go back to eat and do a cleanse. You got to do a water cl- uh, 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 colonics, hyperthermia. You got to do all that stuff. You got to be moving around. You got to be uh, eating uh, 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 just human food. But you're doing fantastic, Terry. Fantastic. You've done amazing. So you know. But anyway, I would not. I might. I would not recommend that at all. I would not recommend that at all. I'm not sure what what is going on. Um, I'm 
What is it you you have? Uh, Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Outside the bladder with the sides throughout, but not in organs or bone. Pet showed a second recurrence in abdominal lymph nodes. And ascites throughout, but not in organ. Okay, so the ascites and all that, it probably means there's a couple reasons for ascites um, in, in your situation. It could mean that there are some lymph nodes that are actually blocking the portal vein or that you've got so many that really the uh, um, you're not getting a lot of flow out of. It's just, you know, it's getting blocked somehow. It seems anatomical um, uh, in nature. And so you got to shrink those down. Um and um, and the ascites, there's some medications you can take actually to keep the ascites down. One is furosemide and the other one is a, um, a potassium uh, aldactone. Uh, uh, you know, so people usually take something like 20, 40 milligrams of uh, furosemide in the morning and then the aldactone of 25 milligrams four times a day, which is a potassium sparing diuretic. And if you do that, that keeps your ascites from growing quickly um, and uh, you can keep it down for a while. Um, while you take care of it, but you can do ozone. You could do lots of, lots of things. Don't, I would not recommend the, uh, hot chemotherapy into your abdomen because it goes everywhere. In, in, in your healthy cells are going to get drenched in this poison. So I don't recommend that. I'm glad you asked me. And if you'd like to talk more about it, please, um, let me know. Um, Now, here's another one. This is all website stuff. Uh, uh, email. Hi, uh, is baby Thai coconut fresh, coconut fresh water good to build blood for estrogen positive breast HER2 negative? Also, is the baby Thai coconut nutritious for protein? How much should I consume for therapeutic value? Well, you know, uh, a lot of, okay, first of all, a lot, there's a good amount of, of uh, vitamin C in there. Uh, like in one cup of, of, the, Thai, of the young Thai coconut, um, it's actually uh, like if you look at calories, which you shouldn't, uh, but uh, there's less calories. Consider the fact that uh, like another, I'll think of another electrolyte drink like Gatorade has twice the amount of calories as well as the coconut. So in terms of sugar, there's very, there's sugar and, and a lot of the sugar is complex. Um, and, you know, so carbohydrates is 10.4 grams and the, um, and the uh, uh, sugars are, are nine. So a lot of it's complex. Um, 
but it's got it's got a lot of potassium and stuff like that. So it's really good, um, really good for you. And fifteen uh, percent protein. So you're getting some. Pro- you're going to get you one. Get your protein. Everyone gets. You should get your protein from chia seeds. Chia seeds. You know you're going to get. You know you take five six tablespoons of chia seeds. You grind. Put them in a grinder. And then you pour them into a nut milk, a freshly made nut milk. You let it sit for an hour or two. And then you eat that. You're going to get a bunch of protein. All the and complete protein. I'm talking about all of the essential amino acids. Yeah. All right. So, um, but yeah. Uh, so don't worry about the protein. Uh, the coconut water is uh, is good. It's actually very low in terms of uh, 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 for, you know, electrolyte and all that sort of thing. And it's got much less <clears throat> what they call calories. Someday we'll talk about the calorie myth. So don't think about it. Just realize that it's a myth. It's not calories in and calories out. It's got so much to do with your physiology, what time you eat and all that sort of thing. So uh, anyway, but it's got, and as I said, as I said, uh, It's got some protein, vitamin C, potassium, sodium, <clears throat> um, a few other uh, minerals. Um, it's, so it's good with electrolytes. It keep you know keeps you well hydrated. Not a lot of sugar, in spite of the fact that it's sweet tasting. Um, yeah. Here's a question by Barry. With the knowledge I have, why won't I change my diet and lifestyle? To stop making cancer. I really don't want it again, yet I haven't been able to completely get serious about it. Like Chris beat cancer and others. They just stop and change. I'm not. Sweet tooth. 212 uterine 2018 breast. Aha. Okay. Cheryl's name, not Barry. Cheryl. Okay, Cheryl. Here's the thing. Uh Human beings, unfortunately, we are, we've got to be scared to think. That's why the Rockefellers use the, use the standard of scare. Uh, we, they've got to scare us. We've got to get scared to do things usually, to knock us out of our habits. And a few things need to happen. And this, this should apply to everybody, too. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not just knowing. Uh, now, the, other, the number one thing I'd say, go to bed at 8 o'clock. Be asleep by 8. Go to bed at 7.30. Be asleep by 8. Wake up at 4. Do your prayers and meditation. Then do some reading on nutrition. And then do some movement. Uh, exercise. You know, movement. Go out, climb a tree, run around, ride a bike. You know, just to get get moving. Uh uh, drink some green tea. Get get your day going like that. You go to bed early and you feel fantastic, and you get enough of your the proper sleep. Because proper sleep is not just time, amount of time. It's when you go to sleep. Because we are diurnal creatures, believe it or not, not nocturnal. Uh, and so. When you do that, too, you get something called willpower. And you get willpower is because you feel so good. You said, why would I? I don't want to eat that junk. I feel too, too fantastic. The other thing is you've got to learn to make delicious, delicious uncooked food. And you can. 
you can. You can make delicious. You just got to be, uh, you just got to do it. Um, but I really think the first thing you can do, you should do, Cheryl, is uh, go to bed early. Um, that's the big deal. And start moving around a lot. Right. And find ways to satisfy that tooth. Work with somebody who really knows what they're doing. Uh, fly to... Um, Uh, uh, fly to New York and work with a, a woman that was my uh, that I worked with back uh, 20 years ago, Adana Peroni. She's a uh, she's got a um, colonic colon hydrotherapy center called Gravity. Uh, she's been a uh, raw foodist for 30 years. Amazing, looks just amazing. Uh, but she helps people. She's real. She'll teach you how to make things better. There are other people too around, I'm sure. You just got to find out and make it delicious. You got to read. Maybe, listen, maybe you don't know enough. Maybe you've got to know more. Maybe you need to read some books on it. Okay, sometimes there's different levels of knowing, and maybe you just don't know it enough. Okay, so. Pineal gland tumor. Well, listen, okay, I just was reading something here. Uh, all, anyway, it doesn't matter where the tumor is. Remember, the only difference between any of them is where is location that they started. But the pineal gland is uh, very important for melatonin and things like that. Um, and uh, is it, uh, it's probably benign, right? It's a benign, usually those are benign. Um, and uh, again, it, it comes back to the same things we're talking about. You certainly don't want to get rid of that gland. You certainly don't want to irradiate it or do anything like that. You need to balance hormones, balance, uh, go go to sleep. You know, all the same things we always talk about. You've got to do that. But you need to work with somebody who understands how to use, you know, ozone, vitamin C, um, intravenous curcumin, intravenous quercetin, uh, all these things. We use it with insulin. By the way, I wanted to tell everybody. There has been some recent disinformation I've put out there about uh, insulin causing uh, problems with IGF-1. And um, so I'm going to do a special podcast about that because it's important. Insulin potentiated therapy is not only with uh, um, chemo. You can do it with other things like a curcumin and things like that. Uh, and then there's some people out there that are teaching many others that it's not good and that they, their proof is the IGF-1 levels. Well, I'm going to do a talk on this. And I've invited Dr. Donato Perez-Garcia III, whose grandfather invented IPT. And he is the guy who's been doing it the longest in this, in the, who's alive today. Um, his father was doing it. His grandfather was doing it. Um, He's who I learned it from years ago. And so I'm going to invite him on. We're going to have a talk about insulin. Uh, and I'm going to show you that um, how whatever they're saying is impossible. 
It's just impossible. Don't worry about that. Can you please, uh, this is from Jane. Can you please advise on how to get off antidepressants with strong withdrawal side effects? I was prescribed after experiencing a pretty traumatic event. I weaned down to a dose that is no longer a therapeutic dose, but every time I try to stop completely, dizziness, mood swings, nauseated, heart palpitations. Huh. Um, And your GP, yeah, they're not helpful, anything, you know. Well, you know, usually the th these antidepressants are, th are ser serotonin reuptake inhibitors, selective serotonin re reuptake inhibitors. And that's, they're just keeping more serotonin back in your body. Um but those withdrawals sound weird. I don't, I, I you know, because they're not really, I mean, heart palpitations and all this stuff. Anyway, serotonin is made, 90% of the serotonin we produce is made in our gut by microorganisms. So we need to have a healthy gut biome. So that's one thing you got to work on. Cleansing, using probiotics, eating healthy food, doing all of that stuff to restore a healthy gut biome. And you'll make enough serotonin. You won't need any help with it. Okay, um, the serotonin, uh, when it goes low, is when we get uh, uh, sad and depressed and, and things like that. Um, but your, your uh, you know, dizziness, mood swings, nauseated palpitations, and you're already on a subtherapeutic dose. You know, I, well, what is it that you're taking? I mean, but you could get enough. In other words, you need serotonin. And you can get that from getting a healthy biome, take probiotics. And you got to work with, you know, you know, I mean, sometimes for the um, heart palpitations and things like that, you can use You got to tell me what you're taking, because I, I I can't imagine that that's what they would do. If you're already on a subtherapeutic dose, you just can't get off it. It's weird. There's got to be something else going on in your in your in your in your situation that I don't know about. So uh, let's communicate more. All right. Uh, What can be the cause of liver hemangiomas? Yeah, good question. You know, hemangioma is just a little like overgrowth of blood vessels, right? Uh, you've seen, if you've seen people, you might have yourself some, these they call cherry angiomas on your, um, on your body, different places. They're like red. They're basically just like a, a little, uh, a little ball of blood vessels. So if it truly is a, 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 a you know, we, we think of a lot of that stuff uh, as a result to estrogen imbalance, uh, Natalie. So that could be it. I would, one, be take a look at your hormones. But um, <clears throat> estrogen imbalance can definitely do that. 
Uh, and if it is a hemangioma, you know, sometimes what we call cysts are um, really just, uh, they are cysts, but they're parasites in there um, producing a cyst. And so, uh, you know, could you have parasites? Yes. In your liver? Yes. Could that be causing a problem? Yeah. Otherwise, if you just have a small liver hemangioma, it shouldn't be a problem at all. Um, hemangiomas in and of themselves are not a problem unless they were really big and they got ruptured for some reason, which I don't see. It doesn't sound like. I don't know if you have a lot of them or what, but look at look at hormones. Hormones for sure. Estrogen is a big one. Um, Uh, the best probiotics or what who guys are saying what are the best probiotics yes curcumin does kill cancer stem cells absolutely there's hardcore research on that yeah cysts i think cysts are th are uh th are are um Parasites. I think most cysts are parasites. You would not believe. When I, when I, I I'm going to, um, uh, I'd like to give a talk on, I'd like you to understand the, the parasite problem, but it is profound. Yeah. You know, here I'm seeing six, uh, uh, Kathy and uh, six others request to be in my in your live video. I don't know what that means because I don't know how to do that. But here's the thing. Um, you know, everybody, I, I don't know what the people are doing, but they're hacking me now and stuff. It's so weird. Uh, I don't know. Why would someone want to hack me? What the what are you going to get from that? You don't want a hysterectomy. Yeah, you don't have to get a hysterectomy. Uh, but, uh, and uh, the thing is about. Um, yeah, so good, good probiotics. You know, here's the thing. What I, I used to, uh, when I'm in the U.S., I use um, um, ult ultimate flora because it's got like 150 billion and 40 species. Because you need a lot of species for them to develop an ecosystem. But more important, what studies show, what's more important than the probiotic is the prebiotic. Because you can put your probiotic, pro, good, healthy bacteria uh, uh, into your gut, but if they don't have the food that they need, they won't, they won't survive. And the good, so you, you've got to be eating a healthy diet. Uh, so... Uh, here, you know, um, yeah, here was one question. I have, uh, I can't remember the name here because I don't have there, but I says, I have, I have a question about a week ago. I had, I had pain burning. And when I cleaned myself, there was a blip, oh, a bit, a, a bit of blood when I urinated. I was on vacation in the Caribbean, Caribbean, so I went to a clinic 
checked my blood and urine. They said everything was normal and I didn't have an infection. So she gave you these pills for five days, take away the discomfort and made your pee orange. Yeah, dipyramidal. Yeah, it does that. It does that. It's like a local anesthetic and it makes your pee orange. But it takes away the inflammation of the urethra, you know, where the urine comes out of. So, uh, so anyway, so I'm not sure of the question. You still have burning when you urinate? Uh, um, Anyway, is that the anyway? Let me get back to where were we? Where were we here? Yeah, and where's our questions again? Oh, uh, here we go. Yeah. Okay. Go. 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 So anyway, uh, oh, okay. So, so she she made you pee orange, felt better, thickened. Oh, they said your bladder was thickened. Is that anything to worry about? A thickened bladder. Um, well, um, if it's getting thickened, that means it's being irritated chronically. Now, one of the uh, one form of bladder chronically fermenting bladder cells is from a um, a parasite, schistosoma. And uh, you can it's a you can take an antiparasitic, but it's been it's 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 pretty much responsible for uh, what they call squamous cell chronically fermenting squamous cells in the bladder, rather than urethelial, which is what normal like ninety percent of all the other bladder uh, uh, fermenting cells are. So. Your, so your bladder could be irritated. And remember, the bladder is irritated from uh, because it's it's got urine in it, and urine is filtered blood, and the blood is you know what our body you know it's the it's the liquid consequence of being alive, um, and it's you know everything we've eaten and everything we've not excreted and all that acidic is in our blood. So anyway, um, you could have uh, so that's why even things people drink. Or, or even like smokers can wind up getting uh, bladder problems because the, if the longest urine, urine sits around. So if your 
bladder wall is thickened, I would make definitely do a heavy-duty parasite cleanse. Absolutely. Uh, drink so much water that you're peeing all the time. Do a, Just pee and drink ju green juices and just pee and just clean it all out. And whatever's going on in your bladder, too, whatever's going on in there, obviously, is irritating not only the wall, which is making it thick, but it's also irritating the urethra, which is why you had pain. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but I would do a, just drink, like, do a three, four, five, six-week juice cleanse. And you can do that while you're working and just still, you know, and, and drink like four quarts a day, five quarts a day until you're just peeing all the time. Keep that bladder clean and you, it'll, it'll heal. It'll heal. You don't have to heal. You can't. No, we can't heal things. Things heal when we don't disturb them. All right. It's not a doing. It's a happening. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> I had a question. My boyfriend had prostate cancer two years ago. He recovered, but he just doesn't take care of himself. He barely exercises, eats red meat at least five times a week. Never eats fruits or vegetables. I'm concerned his cancer will come back. Is there anything you would suggest as a number one, number one thing to get him to do? Well, you know, sadly that he's probably not alone. And you're not alone with people like that. Uh, you know, really, you you know, the thing about uh, helping other people wake up is you've got to get their attention first. So you're in a position to get his attention since you're his girlfriend. So. But unfortunately, like I mentioned earlier, most people don't wake up until they're scared. They need to get scared. They need to be told something nasty is going to happen. La, 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 la. Uh, see, the problem is if he's feeling okay, then he's thinking, why should I change anything? Because I feel okay. So somehow we've got to get him to do something like, hey, Let's tell, tell them to do you a favor. Say, you and me, let's do a juice, two-week juice cleanse. Let's just clean our bodies out. Then when you go back to your life, I'll go back to my life. Let's just do that. Get started. Let's do a two-week juice cleanse. Drink nothing but juice and don't cheat. Let's do it for real. Um, uh, if he does that, he'll get, a, he'll get the experience of saying, whoa, whoa, I feel good. Now I know what good feels like, you know. That's what, you know, if you can get him to do that. Otherwise, you got to get him to, I don't know if he's a reader. Sounds like he doesn't seem to be a reader. Um, and doesn't matter if he's red meat or purple meat or black meat. It's all dead, dead. It's all corpse. It's all corpses. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, sadly, he might have to run into something. You know, or you could, uh, yeah, I would get him to do a juice cleanse with you, uh, a two-week juice cleanse. 
and you you know make sure he's doing it. Let him get the experience of feeling really good. I mean, that versus get the experience of getting <clears throat> diagnosed again with something terrible that will scare him. I mean, that's another way. Um, but if you can get him, I mean, if you can't get him to stop eating dead animals, it's going to really be hard to get him to go to bed early. But if you start going, if you go to bed early, if you go to sleep early, everything will change. You will become, you will become, you will be able to do all the things you know you should do because you will have your willpower restored. Um, wow. It's so bright. Uh, anyways, okay. Let's go to our next question. Okay, you guys. Okay, let's go to the next question now. Um, oh, someone here was asking about Tutka because they were saying that, um, where was it? Because they were saying that a lot of the people that follow Joe Tippins, here it is. What is your opinion on Tutka? Is it necessary? What does it actually do? Many Joe Tippins followers take it. What is the best thing to do to help your liver? Green juice. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so earlier, Rachel, right, earlier we talked about the best way for your liver, right, is to do that kind of cleanse. But, um, you know, Tutka is just um, ursyl deoxycholic acid, which is one of the bile acids, with the taurine, it was an amino acid, uh, chelated to it. So it's toro, uh, or, toro, or toro, ursyl, ursyl deoxycholic acid. Um, you can see why they call it uh, tudic, tutka, tutka. Anyway, uh, it helps the liver uh, in many, many ways. Um, and <clears throat> it helps by keeping the, the, bi the bile flowing. Uh, it reduces a lot of the uh, uh, inflammatory cytokines that are involved in chronically fermenting conditions, such as IL-6, such as tumor necrosis factor alpha, it, it lowers though, so it does really, really good. Uh, uh, it helps the liver. It, help, it helps um, uh, decrease helps decrease the toxicity of uh, of, of uh, you know because remember the liver is getting all the toxins and its job is to detoxify them, so it gets kind of toxic itself. So again, doing the fast, doing the cleanse, doing things like that allows it allows it to cleanse and clean itself and take care of itself. And get better, right? That's what it'll allow it to do. Um, but um, the tutka is also a powerful, powerful anti-inflammatory. Uh, helps actually regenerate the liver. It's actually pretty good. Um, um, but you know, if you're a vegan, it's going to be hard because I think it's it's from bile. It's from a, an animal of some kind. Uh, uh, and, and the bottom line is you don't really need it. There's so many things you can do without it, but it's still very, very good. And especially if you had your gallbladder removed and you're not digesting real well, uh, fats and things like that. Um, it's a good time. It's a good, you know, it's a good thing to use. Um, as a cancer patient, I've been taking thymosin alpha one and feeling better. 
Yet recently, the pharmacies are not using. No, you don't want thymus. You need thymus and alpha-1. Yes, absolutely, uh, D. Uh, uh, peptide sciences. Or you have to go to a, uh, you have to have your uh, your doctor write a prescription and go to a compounding pharmacy who knows how to do it. But I you wouldn't just trust any compounding pharmacy. You need a place that makes peptides because uh, it's it's not um, it's not the usual work of a compounding pharmacist. Compounding pharmacists would probably have to buy it and then just put it in a, in a formula a solution for you. Um, but you should get it from Peptide Sciences. Com. Um, thymus and alpha one is what you need, not thymus. Thymus and alpha one. I agree, and you need, and we all need that. <clears throat> if we're over forty, or we have chronically fermenting cells, or anything going on, you want to keep our lymphocytes up. You want to keep your lymphocytes increased. You want to keep your T cell, your T lymphocytes, right? Um, Okay, so thank you. I totally agree on parasites. For so, for someone with gallstones, this is from Daniela. Would you recommend treat the parasites first or work on the gallbladder first? No, treat the. Uh, you talk. Are you talking about uh, a gallbladder? A gallbladder flush, the famous flush where they use malic acid in the form of like um, lemon juice or just malic acid uh, for like four or five days to is what they say, soften up the stones. And then they use um, like a cup, you drink a cup, eight ounces of um, pure olive oil. And then you lay on your side and then you wind up taking uh, Epsom salts to drink it and it just flushes you out. And then all these things come. So the question is, it's been called into question what those really are. Are they really gallstones? Uh, and it's, it's very, very controversial. Um, in fact, I've seen no evidence that it is gallstones. It doesn't have the bilirubin and things like that it should have. Uh, and it might be the, just the inspissated, uh, inspissated uh, oil, from the um, olive oil. But on the other hand... <clears throat> I've not seen it, but I've heard people say, well, they, their, their, their scan showed afterwards that they didn't have any gallstones. I, I'd love to see that. Uh, I, so, I, you know, I really don't know if that's what you're talking about as a gallbladder flush. Uh, yeah, you could do that. Certainly not going to hurt, but you could start get start taking your parasite, antiparasitics, as soon as you can. Everybody, remember. So this is from Tanya. Um, 
What do you think about percutaneous ablation? Either radio, uh, radio frequency or a razor, a microwave, or alcohol for, for thyroid, um, chronically fermenting cells. So they did a fine needle, huh? You've already done your subtotal gastrectomy. Anyway, yeah, so, okay, so first of all, in the future, don't let anybody put needles in you to take out. You don't need a... Because look, in the end, they 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 what they want to take it out anyway. I mean, it's not like they're going to really come up with an answer to help you. They don't come up with answers. If they if they helped you, they'd be great, okay. But they don't, and and then the risk of spreading it around is not worth it. Um, but uh, you can do um, what I think is uh, for the thyroid would be if you can find an or interventional radiologist who's really skilled at doing uh, cryoablation. I like that better. Um, and, uh, but radio frequency, if the person's really good at it, is good. Um, laser is good. They're, they're good at it. Uh, but the cry, I like the cryo because there's less damage. Um, but yeah, and that is, uh, and then, but then, but then you got, you got, we got to go way. Why did I get this in the first place? How did this happen? And we got to do the, what the old thing. We got to make, check out your, you got to go to a bio, bio dentist, a biological dentist, right? Uh, you've got to get your, you know, your parasites. You got to uh, get make sure you're getting lots of iodine, uh, and eat cruciferous vegetables, iodine, and um, um, we got to get your thyroid balanced. So you'll probably need while you're doing all this. Just check out your. So you need someone to work with you really thoroughly. I, I, it's too bad I'm not. Uh, where you are, but you are where? I don't know where you are, but anyway, um, oh, you're at Yahoo. That's where you are. <clears throat> um, anyway, but that's what I would do. And thank you so much for your wishes. Thank you. All right, so uh, I need your help with for my four-year-old son. I my four-year-old son. I I think the treatments they did for pinworms wasn't done properly, and he now has light bleeding stools when he poops. Uh, thought you thought it was a, fi a fissure, but you just you just you you just don't think they got them all. They probably didn't. They usually do it like just once. You live in Phoenix. Huh. I you just need you need longer treatment for the pinworms. I agree. And that's what I would do. I would do that. I would also uh, give him I would change what's his diet, Kaylee. You, you, uh, is that you, is that how you say your name, Kaylee? 
you got to you got to we got to work on his diet. Um, what's he eating? Um, all that sort of thing. Um, uh, and if he's got, I mean, I, how long has he been bleeding? Uh, the pinworms, you know, uh, they're, you know, the, the problem with parasites, one, one thing to remember about parasites is that these guys lay, uh, can lay up to uh, 200, 2,000 eggs a day. So, and then a lot of the medication, like when people are talking, I see the, some of the chats on, uh, on TikTok, uh, people are, are recommending taking just herbal, you know, like wormwood and uh, all the different ones. But it, you might, you might, might kill some of the adults, but you're not going to get the eggs. And that's why you do three weeks on, one week off, three weeks on, one week off, or four weeks on, one week off. You've got to do that. you got to hit them hard. you got to go because they're deep. And he's, you got a little boy there, so you don't want them to go deep into his, uh, into the walls of his colon. So, and that's where these pinworms like to hang out. So, um, you've got to find a naturopath or a regular doctor who will uh, treat him appropriately. Um, I don't know of any. There is a guy in. Uh, There was a naturopathic doctor. I don't know if he treats children in Scottsdale named Dr. Paul Stallone. And I don't know if he knows about parasites. Um, but, you know, albendazole, or what was he taking? Albendazole, or what was he taking? Um, mebendazole. Uh, do you know what he, you got the name there? But he got to change his diet. And I would, I agree with you. I would get it back. I mean, he's not going to have an anal fissure. You know, at his age, you know, because there's no reason for it. He's certainly not going to have hemorrhoids. He's certainly not going to have can colon cancer. You know, there's no reasons why. You know, so there, it's you're you're right. You know, if your doctor doesn't know it, then really check. Don't, don't even take him to doctor. As you can see, doctors don't really help that much anyway. But but what I'm saying is that I'm pretty sure that you he still. And if he had pinworms, maybe he's got another parasite. So he's got to be on a really good parasitic cleanse and if you're willing to go anywhere take them to st louis to dr simon you why you dr simon you why you you got to make an appointment fly there dr simon you will tell you exactly what it is and how to get rid of it he's uh and he's a board certified internist so he's a smart guy Okay, so now we are getting close to being finished. Let's go up back. I, I did, uh, I got a lot of those questions answered. Let's go back up. Let's see here. Uh, where, where can we, oh, where, huh? Where can we get crazy? Where can we get crazy high amounts of vitamin C? Well, you know what? I, what I recommend is you go go online and get a pure sodium ascorbate powder. To, and remember, one teaspoon is four grams. Put about two teaspoons in a liter of water and just sip it slowly from seven a.m. to seven p.m. And you'll be getting all your. You don't need crazy high amounts. You only need the, your physiological amounts. Now, if you want to get higher than that, uh, you could on top of sipping it. You could also take some uh, oral, like four or five times a day. You could take on top of it the. Um, um, 
Oh, that Mercola's brand of um, what's it called? Oh, I forget. Anyway, you know the the lipid soluble vitamin C because that way you can you can actually ink, add a little bit more because you're absorbing it through you know liposomal because you're absorbing it through your lacteals which are your lymphatic vessels in your gut so you actually gain more than because you're gonna, you're limited to 200 milligrams per time of absorption of vitamin C from your gut but if you add on that you could increase it so you could start getting higher than physiological levels that would be a good way to do it uh, but yeah you're right Kamu is good too um, vitamin C upsets my entire digestive system. All right. So that's because you're probably taking, uh, too high doses for yourself. It shouldn't do that. But if you did it, like I said, you just take a sip of a liter, a sip, 15 minutes later, a sip, 15 minutes later, a sip. So if 7am to 7pm, you sip the whole eight grams. You did it slowly. You won't have that effect. The other thing you could try if you're having problems, if you think you're having problems, uh, is the uh, liposomal because that doesn't, if they put it into little fat uh, uh, micelles and they're absorbed differently. So otherwise it can cause, you know, that, you know, if you take X, a lot of vitamin C powder, you can get uh, diarrhea. Oh my God! My Pamela, hi Pamela. My breast cancer is being treated and has been for about four years. Following RGCC protocol, can I get your thoughts on that? The Hosam flax seeds are uh, flax seeds are good. ER beta, good for men. Yes, good, good for men and women. So anyway, so Pamela, uh, RGCC, I don't use them. I stopped using them about 2003, 2004 because of many reasons, but they're looking at circulating tumor cells um, and they're, uh, we know that only 0.1% of them are able to actually metastasize. So that means that the, uh, or 1% of them, which means 99% chance that the cells they're testing um, are not relevant to your situation. So that's one of the problems. And uh, You know, and, and I'll tell you, when I was using the RGCC protocol, and everybody does it, it's become the fad. It's way too expensive. But again, it's, it's examining circulating tumor cells. Uh, and then the endpoints that they use, uh, like in other words, they, they test different substances on one of the circulating cells and, um, you know, on a group of them. And they see if it, if it goes through apoptosis, right, commit suicide by using curcumin. Oh, it doesn't do it. Well, that's not the purpose of curcumin. Curcumin is not there. Curcumin does other things. Curcumin has other. Wait, where are we going? There we go. Yeah. Okay. So curcumin, there's many other reasons to use curcumin. 
I mean, to use a, a curcumin other than to kill the cancer cell. That's not what it does. So that endpoint doesn't make sense to me, number one. And number two, like for, I've seen somewhere said, well, the vitamin C won't help with this particular chronically fermenting cell. That's not possible. And it's not possible that curcumin won't help. It's not possible. It's not possible. That's why I don't, I don't, I don't think it's worth it. I think what we have to understand is that the biology of chronically fermenting cells is the biology. They're the same. The difference is the organ they started in and the basic physiological functioning of that organ, but not necessarily. I mean, that's it. So, so to say, well, this one is going to respond to curcumin and one of this one is not, it, it, it just, it's, the, it's, it's just, it's rubbish. It's a waste of money. It gets you running around in circles and all that. You're doing well. I'm glad it was four years. I wouldn't spend any more money on RGCC. Uh, you got to work with someone. You got to work with someone who knows what they're doing. Um, and I wish I could. Uh... Thank you for tuning in to the Dr. Lodi podcast. Join Dr. Lodi's membership community at drlodi.com, where you will have exclusive access to Dr. Lodi's cancer healing and wellness webinars, a community of health minded people, healthy lifestyle recommendations, educational videos, and discounts on courses and content. While you're there, RSVP for upcoming events and register for the Stop Making Cancer online course. If you enjoyed listening, please share and write a review.